As we get ready to go to the message this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we could sing of your love forever. May that be true of our hearts, that we would sing your praise and your, give you glory to your name, God, and just lift you high. Father, we, we know with you all things are possible. Father, you can break through doors. You can break through seasons of, of uh, exhaustion and anxiety. Father, we just pray for everyone that comes in this morning with, with maybe exhaustion or heavy hearts, Father, that you would minister to them, that you'd love them, that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit, Father. And we would run and listen to your Holy Spirit, that you would change us, transform us, move us, Lord. In particular, we, the body of Christ, pray for our body. We lift up this body. And God, that yes, that you would minister. Uh, we ask for healing over Nancy, Lord, Nancy Billings. We pray that you just continue to make the way for that surgery, Lord. And we just pray for the doctors and lining it all up, Lord, that you're just going to govern and move in that situation and complete healing over her back. That's what we pray for, Father. Father, we lift up our brother Vaughn uh, to you. I pray for him, Lord. I pray for strength and healing and energy and strength, God, that you continue to move on him and just continue to heal him and restore him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for those that are in the heat working out there, Father, and hot, Lord. I pray for energy and strength that you refresh them every, every evening, Lord, and give them what they need to, to serve you, Lord. There's a, a woman that's connected to our body, the Rebecca Havens. I lift her up, Lord. She asked for, for prayer this week, and, and, and her son, Alexander's in the hospital in ICU. And so, Father, we just pray you guide and guard Rebecca right now. Come alongside of her, encourage her as she loves on Alexander. I pray for your peace there, Lord. And Father, for those that have lost loved ones and are just grieving and hurting, Lord, we pray for encouragement, God, that you would just lighten their load and know that they are loved and loved by you, the King, Father, and refresh them and encourage them, Lord. And Father, we lift up all those college students in particular that are going back to school as they kind of the workload fires up up and they're maybe experiencing stress for those teachers that are, and students that have gone back this last week and are going back this week. Lord, just use them and refresh them and, and teach them and, and allow them to stay close to you and cry out to you when things get hard, Lord. Father, may we be people who pray and, and expect you to move mountains in our lives because you are a good God and we trust you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. Uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 12 today, Acts chapter 12, as we've uh, been kind of working our way through the book of Acts and seeing the different chapters and seeing what God's teaching us. We saw at the beginning of Acts, we saw the Holy Spirit come, and the Holy Spirit comes in power, friend, and there is power in the Holy Spirit. And we see the launch of the church, and the church explodes. Thousands are being added to the church. It's a very exciting time. A couple weeks ago, we looked in Acts chapter 9, we saw Saul, who was become Paul. He meets the Lord on the road to Damascus. That bright light shines and he's blinded and he's literally, his life has changed and transformed. So friend, if you came in today wondering, ah, God, I don't know. I don't know if you can do it in my life. He can transform your life. You got to trust him that he can transform. He saw to Paul completely radically changed his life. And last week we looked at this incredible story between uh, uh, Peter and Cornelius. And they both had this vision, and Cornelius is a Gentile Jew uh, of Peter, should not be hanging out. He says, you know, it's unlawful for us to even be hanging out. And, he, and then he comes and he obeys the Lord in this vision, says, I'm going to go and see Cornelius in this house. And Cornelius, he shares the gospel with the Gentiles. 
And that's good news, friend. That means that everyone that comes in this door, the gospel is for you, the good news. We are to share it with all people, all nations. And that should be true for every one of us. Well, today we're going to see Peter be rescued from prison. It's going to be a pretty incredible story. But the thing we were going to kind of focus on, and I talked a little bit last week, but we're going to talk about prayer. I just mentioned it briefly last week, and Spencer did a great job sharing about prayer a couple weeks ago in his message. And I want you to know, we need to be a body, the body of Christ that continually prays out to the Lord. Uh, We need to do that corporately and praying and lifting up the needs of the church. And that's what we're going to see take place here, earnest prayer. And I don't know where your prayer life is. I'm going to be honest. I think a lot of Christians struggle with prayer. Even, you know, we can read the Bible, we can serve, we can kind of do that. But when it comes to prayer, we kind of do these quick little prayers. I don't know about you, but when I was younger, my parents taught me to pray. I always had to take a shower before bed, and right before bed, I had to say my prayers. And they would come in, they'd pray with me, and maybe you learned this prayer too. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Bless dad, mom, Beth and Jenny, Courtney, George, Bengaga. Let me tell you, friends, I could pray that so fast. I could, I mean, I think I could fall asleep and still pray it, you know, and I could get that done. And so I want you to know over the years, my prayer life has grown, but we're going to see what it looks like to be earnestly praying. Earnest, I looked up the the Greek word for earnest. It means that it's a time of being stretched, that you're interceding on behalf of the people. You're, You're persistent in your prayer life. And so when we get stretched, we need to be people who pray. And that's what we see here in Acts chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, pull it out. We're going to dig through this chapter. We're going to kind of walk through it. And then I'm going to talk to a little bit about the outcome of prayer, what prayer will do in our life and times that we should be praying, that we see in this passage. So Acts chapter 12, if you want to kind of follow along, it'll be on the screen as well. This is what it says, verse 1. About the ta- that time, Herod the king had violent hands on some who were belonging to the church. Herod, okay, pretty bad guy, very bad guy, but he started to persecute the people of the way, followers of Christ. That's what he started to do. He started going after people of the church. So the first one he's going to go after, verse 2, it says, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Who's James? James was the leader of the church at the time. This would have been very devastating, very difficult for them. They said, James is gone. Oh no, is this thing, is it all going to fall apart? That's what he kills James. In verse 3, he's going to take more action. Uh, and, And when he saw that that pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. Here's what's happened. He realizes killing James. He's like, oh boy. The Jews were all thrilled. They were like, thank you. You took out James. These these Christians, these Christ followers were kind of a pain in our neck. They were kind of leading some away from the Jewish ways and the laws. And and so they were thrilled and they were kind of applauding Herod. They're like, and Herod, guess what? He liked that. He's like, you know, he kind of felt good and kind of, so I'm going to keep going. I'm going to take out Peter. He arrests Peter. Just so you know, Peter's already been arrested twice, Okay. If you went back in Acts chapter 4, he was arrested, he was beat up, and they said, Peter, stop talking about Jesus. And they said, go on your way. He said, I'm not stopping talking about Jesus. He gets arrested in Acts chapter 5. He actually gets put into prison. He gets, um, remarkably, he gets rescued from prison, and yet he still keeps preaching about Jesus. And so he's already been arrested twice. Herod thinks, if I take out Peter, then that will be good. That will be, you know, they'll like me even more. 
And so he arrests them during this, this uh, time of unleavened bread. It was um, kind of a, a ceremony where they would recognize the Passover. That's what's going on. Why did he choose that time? Because he knew at the end of that time, this festival, there would be, a, if I had a court then and killed Peter then, all the Jews would be there. And then they would see what I did and how they would appreciate it and like me even more. So he was being selfish. He was kind of building himself up. And so he says, I will do this. And then in verse 4, and when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers uh, to guard him, intending um, to gather after the Passover. So here's what he does. He gets four, gar- four squads of guards. Every squad, just so you know, had four soldiers, okay? So 16 men, big bad Peter, right? Is he a murderer? No. Is he a thief? No. This is a guy that's talking about Jesus, okay? And he puts 16 guards on him. He wants to make sure he's not going to escape this time. And just so you know, we're about to learn here what the typical thing would have done. If they arrested somebody and you were a really bad dude, like you just, you know, killed someone, you hurt someone, you're stealing, this is what they do. They have one squad and they would chain you to one person, okay? One of the guards. The rest would kind of watch. And that's all they would do. You're about to learn that they are going, Peter's going to be lying there, and he's chained between two guards. He's got one on his right, one on his left. He's chained to both of them, and the other two are going to be watching the door. These guards would do three-hour shifts twice a day. So there'd be, you know, three hours, so everybody would be fresh. So nobody would be able to get out of their escape. Pretty extreme for big bad Peter. So let's continue on. And when he had seized him and put him in prison, delivering him over to the squads of soldiers, the four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending the Passover, after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but, here it is, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Not by one person, not by just a couple. By the church was making earnest prayer for Peter. That's exciting. We're going to kind of focus on that today and see what that is, and we're going to kind of come back to that. But that's what we need to be doing. The people of God, the body of Christ, need to be lifting one another up and praying for one another. Let's continue on. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, right? He was bound to to them to two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the, in the cell. Here's what happens. When do we just see a light? Two weeks ago, if you were here, Saul was on the way to Damascus, this bright light in the middle of the day, a light brighter than you know, the sun was shining on him. And he realizes this is the voice of the Lord, and he, Jesus speaks to him. He says, why are you persecuting me? Here another light shines on him, and he sees this angel comes into him. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood next to him, and the light shined on the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly, and set the chains, and, and suddenly uh, woke him quickly, and the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself, put on your sandals, and he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what, he was do, what was being done by the angel was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. 
He's like, I, I'm just going to, you notice how even in his dream that he thought it was a dream, he's still following the Lord. Isn't that a good for example for us? You know, you're like, I'm not sure, God, you know, but I'm still going to do it. He did it. But the thing is, he thought it was a vision. Why did he maybe think it was a vision? Because if you remember just last week, we talked about Acts chapter 10. He had a vision. The four sheets fell on the earth. And the four sheets had, you know, clean animals and unclean animals. And then the voice said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, no, no, I would never eat anything unclean. And the Lord says to him, what I have made clean, do not ever call common. And Peter realizes and he goes and he's faithful and he goes to Cornelius' house and he shares the gospel. He had a vision. So Peter thinks he's having a vision again. So we continue on in verse 10. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them on its own accord. And they went out and they were along one of the streets. So this gate, he comes to the iron gate and it just opens. It's like going into Dylan's. You know, you step on the mat and the door just opens. That's kind of what took place, all right? The button went up, the garage door goes up. It just happened and they go up. And it says immediately, um, once on the street, immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I am sure, I am absolutely positive that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people uh, the people were expecting. He recognizes, God, this was you. You did this. Uh, you know, he comes up and he's realizing, okay, Herod's plan was to take me out and to get, you know, kind of more accolades for himself. The Jewish people thought, oh, we're going to finally get Peter out. And it all didn't take place. Why? Because of the Lord. And he gives him thanks for the Lord. When he realized this, it continues on in verse 15. It says, uh, 12, when he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also, other name was Mark. This was John Mark, a little confused in his name. This is the guy who wrote the, the gospel of Mark. Where many were gathered and were what? Can you read that next word? They were praying. That's what they were doing. Many were gathered in this house. This house was packed in the, you know, in the middle of the night and they were praying for Peter and for what God wanted to do and for healing over him. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Okay. Um, Imagine this is like their house had gates around them and out in the outer gate, Peter comes and he knocks. He's like, Hey, you know, anyone home? And, you know, imagine what the people inside were thinking. Okay, they know that uh, James, the leader of the church, has been killed. They know Peter's been arrested and maybe already killed. They know that Herod is persecuting the church. They probably think, wait a minute, I'm not sure I want to answer the door. <laughs> you know, be quiet, hide, because they may be here to arrest us. They might want to take one of us home. So they finally, you know, think, hey, Rhoda, <laughs> Rhoda, hey, would you mind going to the door and seeing who's there? And then I'm not sure I want to go check. Would you mind go checking? So Rhoda goes out to the door and he, she hears Peter's voice and immediately um, says, recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. She was so excited that she forgot to open the door. She's like, I hear Peter's voice. I know Peter's here. She goes in. She tells everybody's Peter's voice. And how do they respond? Well, they said to her, you're out of your mind. <laughs> but she kept insisting, no, it's him. It's him. They kept saying, it's his angel. Have you ever seen God do something big in your life? 
And you're so excited to tell other people. You're like, God provided here. He restored here. He did this. He did this in my life, and he provided this. And you want to go tell someone, and they're like, I don't think so. I don't think that really happened in your life. They start doubting and kind of making up things. And they, that's kind of a little bit what's going on here. They think Peter's probably already dead. Maybe it's his angel visiting us. But Peter continued to knock. Guys, I'm still out here. He's still on the gate. He's still going. Guys, I'm still out here. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. Can you imagine the excitement? They're like, this is Peter. We know you're in jail. We know you've been arrested. This is, they're jumping up and down. And then it says this, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent. He described to them that the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And then to tell these things to James and the brothers. Real quickly, I want you to know, if you've ever struggled with knowing if God's word is true and real, these little things, these little details are amazing, okay? This is Luke, and he's writing, he's like, I, I, saw, you know, I, I saw him, and he, he, he motioned with his hand to be quiet. He's like so excited he wanted to tell us, but guys, we're, you know, we're still in danger. He went in and explained all the rescue and all of what God did and through the angel, and, leaving. and then he says, go and tell James and the other brothers, and then departed on his way. I want you to know, they, a lot of scholars believe that there was a bunch of houses full of people praying. Because he says, go and like tell the other houses. He's kind of saying, go tell James, make sure you tell the other brothers. All these homes full of people praying earnestly for Peter, very powerfully. Now, Herod was angry with the people of, uh, oh wait, now in verse uh, 16, now when the day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had happened to Peter. No little disturbance. That's like the nicest way of saying the place was going crazy. They were searching everywhere. They were going after trying to find Peter and trying to find him. And it says, after uh, Herod searched and examined, uh, searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. That's common. That's what would have taken place. If you were in charge of somebody who was in jail or in prison for a reason and about to be punished, if you let them out, let them escape, fell asleep, you would get their punishment. And that's what happened. They were taken out. Now in verse 20, then, Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain. They asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robe. He took his seat upon the throne and delivered this oration, this amazing speech to them. And the people shouted to them, that's the voice of a God, not of a man. They start building up. That's Herod the God. That's what they're saying. He's not a man. And the, um, immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. He was taken out, right? Pretty uh, wonderful end of the story, but that's not the end of the story. Look at verse 24. But the word of God increased and multiplied. The word of God increased and multiplied. Did you see how this story began? In verse 1, it says, Herod, horrible man, is persecuting the church. Second of all, he takes out James in the second verse. He says, James, you're dead, you know, the leader of the church. Third, he rests Peter. It's not looking good at all. Herod's in charge. He's getting pleased, you know, the, the, the Jews are applauding him. And look at the end of the story just a couple months later. Look, Herod is now dead, eaten by worms. And it says, the word of God increased and multiplied. 
Is that not good? That's the power of our heavenly father. That's the power of God in our lives. Friend, I don't know, I don't know what you're facing. A couple things that stand out to me in this passage. Uh, in verse 3, I think this is astounding. All that Peter had going on. I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe you're going through stress at work or maybe, you know, exhausted at school or just worried about sports or, you know, whatever is going on. Relationships aren't well. For the, this is what Peter was facing. He was facing death. He knew James is dead. He knew I'm being guarded. He knew what was coming at the end of this, you know, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He knew what was taking place. And yet in verse uh, chapter 5, it says three words. Peter was sleeping. Peter was sleeping. How does he have that kind of, you know, with all that he's about to face, how could he be sleeping? I believe the answer is in verse uh, 5. It says, uh, Peter was kept in prison, but, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Okay, Peter was in prison. The church was being attacked. What do we do? Do we worry? Do we stress? We pray. That's what the people of God did. They said, let's get together and start praying. They gathered together in their homes, and that's what they did. Friends, we've got to be people who boldly pray. You know what? When we boldly pray, you know what God does? He can open closed doors. Areas of brokenness, difficulty, pain, hardship, He can restore and move. That's what God does. And I would argue that if we didn't go through times of difficulty and struggle, we would have the worst prayer lives. We would be so lazy. We would barely even pray because, you know what, you know, uh, the times that God uses those difficulties, that's when we just dive in and we cry out to the Lord and we get to be, learn what earnest prayer is where we continue to seek Him. And so I would, I would guess that the early church, this church was starting to grow and expand and they probably had a little bit of some growing pains. They probably said, hey, I don't know how we're going to feed everybody. I'm not sure, you know, some opinions, a little quarreling was going on. But I'm guessing, uh, I think their real growth came when they were facing persecution, opposition, and they really sought out and grew in the Lord. And so friends, we need to be people that seek out the Lord and grow in Him as well. I got to tell you, before we get uh, kind of wrap this up to a few points, this last week, my prayer life went to the next level. Okay? And I learned all about, I, I, I know about earnest prayer, but I earnestly prayed a lot this week. This last Wednesday, I took, uh, and my, Catherine took our son Josh to college. Okay? And this is a picture of him dropping him off. And I got to tell you, um, I thought, you know, we were prepared for this day. We'd bought him, you know, some towels and stuff he needed for college. And I was like, okay, it might be a little bit hard on Catherine, but I'll be there for her. I got to tell you, uh, as soon as I gave him a hug and we were walking to the car, and I'm telling you the whole way back, we bawled. We just bawled. I was just, you know, it was so hard. You know, this guy that I had poured into and loved in almost every game that we had gone to together, he was always in the car on the way home, and now his seat was empty. It was the hardest day, okay? It's, it was hard, and there's been a couple sleepless nights. But guess what? Just like when things are going on in the church and people are hurting in the church, we get up and we pray. That's what we do. We earnestly pray. We seek the Lord through the night. And so we need to be people who pray out to the Lord. I want you real quickly to hear the outcome of when we earnestly pray. This is what God does in our lives. We see this in this chapter. It says uh, in verse 6, Peter was sleeping. Here's what God, when you earnestly pray, there will be peace. 
In the midst of difficulty, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of when it doesn't look good, you mean I could have peace? I mean, some of us, we struggle to sleep, right? We got so many burdens and so many things on our mind, and, and I'm telling you, God will give you a peace as you seek it with him. You might need to journal and write it out before bed, put it on the side of your bed, write out the things that are really going on in your heart and your life, but he will give you a peace that surpasses understanding. That's what our Lord does. So there will be a peace. There's also power, friend. Verse 7 says what? The chains fell off. The chains, he was chained. You know, here, Peter was asleep. He was the one snoring, keeping the guards up. And the guards are like, how is he sleeping? He should be the one all worried. He's the one going to be put to death. And he is a peace, and he also sees power. The Lord sends an angel, and the chains fall off, friend. So whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, do not doubt the power of God. There is power, and friend, we see that in this passage, when we earnestly pray in the peace of God. Uh, the third thing I want you to see is in verses 8 through 10, there, there's direction. When we seek God, He will give us a path forward. It may not be clear right away, and sometimes you have to keep praying. Sometimes you have to pray for weeks. Sometimes you have to pray for months. Sometimes you have to pray for years. But the, He will give you direction, and we see that in verses 8 through 10. The angel says, hey, Peter, um, get up, and then he says, Put on your sandals, okay. He says, put on your cloak, put on your clothes, get dressed, okay. And then he says, you know, uh, step over that guard and go by that guard. And he walks through those guards and he says, go to the street. And he says, he gives them a path forward. He gives them direction. And, and friend, if you're needing direction, cry out to the Lord, pray to the Lord, ask for wisdom. And he'll give that. He gives you a path forward. And the fourth thing I want you to see is he also, uh, the outcome is that we start to praise God. We realize that it's all God. It's not us. It's not like we did something so great or I figured a way out of this. We praise God. In verse 11, uh, he, he delivers Herod. You know, he, he realizes, God, it was you. It's not, you know, some dream. You actually delivered me. And he's praising him. He says, you, you rescued me from Herod. You rescued me from the Jewish people. And so he's praising him. And friend, when you've been carried through a t tough season, you cannot help but praise God. And it should flow out of us and we should respond. And that's what earnest prayer does in our lives. We see peace. We have power through the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. There's a path forward. The Holy Spirit will give us wisdom and direction. And then we will be able to praise Him because we realize it's you. It's not us. It's not we've done. We praise Him. And so I want you to know in difficult times we need to pray. In good times we need to pray. Prayer, I want you to know, regardless of how difficult or bleak your situation is, the Lord wants us to pray. Amen. Doesn't matter how hard it looks. It's never beyond prayer, friend. And I want you to know the Lord wants us, He wants to give you the desires of your heart. That's what Scripture says. So pray out your heart. Talk to Him. Lay it before Him. You know, let Him know the desires of your heart. And He wants to give you what's best for you. He's, we can't see the whole picture. He knows the whole picture. And he sees the whole picture and he wants what's best for us. In fact, he loves us more than we love him. While we were still sinners, it says Christ died for us. Friend, he loves you with an incredible love. So I want you to see what times should we pray. And I'm just going to give you a real quick list of times that we see in this passage that we should pray. We should pray, first of all, in times of inspiration. Maybe you're needing encouragement. Maybe you need inspired by the body and lifted up. Well, I'm telling you, verse 12, Peter goes to Mary's house. Why does he go to Mary's house? Because it was safe. 
And he knew a bunch of people, brothers and sisters in Christ, would be there, and they would be praying for him. They could lift him up, and they could hear the testimony of what God's done. So when you need inspiration, when you need encouragement, you pray out to the Lord. You earnestly seek the Lord. Also in times of exhortation, okay? Uh, Verse 13 and 14, Rhoda is just kind of running around. In times of excitement and thrill, we need to continue to seek the Lord, continue to go after, earnestly pray out to the Lord. Rhoda's just like, you know, it was was Peter. No, no, it wasn't Peter. No, it's Peter. I'm telling you, it's Peter. This time that was going on, they continue to pray throughout that. Also, we need to pray in times of hesitation. Verse 15, they said, you know what? Uh, I'm not sure it's Peter. I'm not sure. I think it could be an angel. It could be, you know, he's probably already dead. This might be just a kind of we're getting visited by him. Not sure. In times of hesitation, you keep seeking the Lord. You earnestly pursue him. Also in times of determination and trust. Verse 16, Peter kept knocking. And he kept praying, and people kept praying, but he kept going. Even when they didn't open the door, he's like, guys, I'm still here. He kept going. Even in times of determination, you got to keep seeking the Lord. Two more, the times of expectation. Verse 17, Peter, you know, maybe when things get a little bit clearer, he explained everything to them. He started to explain to them. He says, now go tell James, go tell the other households that are praying. You know, when there's times of explanation, you know, we need to keep interceding, keep um, earnestly praying on behalf of the Lord. And finally, even in times of confusion. When you're just like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, you know, what's going on, Lord. What do I do? Some people give up. You know, there was a woman that came in this last week, a couple days ago, and she said, you know what, I just feel like God hasn't really been answering my prayers. I don't know. It just seems like I've talked to other people. They're not answering his prayers. Sometimes we're a little bit confused or we don't really have clarity. We keep on earnestly seeking the Lord. Soldiers were searching for Peter. It was kind of this moment of confusion and chaos, and he kept on praying. The people of God kept on praying. Friends, we've got to be people who pray, and we've got to earnestly seek the Lord and pray for one another. And pray for what God wants to do in and through us and and for the name of Christ in this community that we would just see his power and his might in our lives, that we would earnestly seek the Lord. I want to close with one story. I got out of a devotional by Kirk Johnston this last week. I'm going to read some of the story just because it's kind of long and I'm closing with this. But I want you to hear this is about a man who was coming home from serving in the army. And his name was Roger Sims. He was hitchhiking on his way home on a date he would never forget. It was May 7th. He had a heavy suitcase that made Roger tired. He was anxious to take off his army uniform once and for all. Flashing the hitchhiking sign to the oncoming cars, he lost hope when he saw it was a black, sleek, new Cadillac. To his surprise, the car stopped. The passenger door opened and he ran and tossed uh, the car and tossed the suitcase in the back. And he thanked the the well-dressed man as he slid into the front seat. Going home for keeps? He said, sure I am, Roger said. Well, you're in luck if you're going to Chicago. Well, I'm not going quite that far. Do you live in Chicago? He says, I have a business there, and my name is Hanover. And then he says, after talking about many things, Roger, a Christian, felt a compulsion to witness to this 50-ish, apparently successful businessman about Christ. But he kept putting it off till he realized he was only 30 minutes away from his home. It was now or never. So Roger cleared his throat and said, Mr. Hanover, I'd like to talk to you about something that's very important. He then explained and proceeded to explain the way of salvation. Ultimately, Mr. Hanover, would you like to receive Christ as your Savior? 
To Roger's astonishment, the Cadillac pulled over on the side of the road. Roger thought he was going to be ejected from the car, but the businessman bowed his head and received Christ and then thanked Roger. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Five years went by. Roger married. He had a two-year-old boy, and he had a business of his own. Packing his suitcase for a business trip to Chicago, he found a small white business card Hanover had given him five years before in Chicago. And he thought, I'll look up Hanover Enterprises. He went to the Hanover Enterprises. A receptionist there told him, it's impossible to see Mr. Hanover, but you could see Mrs. Hanover. And then he went in a little confused as to what was going on. He ushered into this lovely office. He found himself facing this keen-eyed woman in her 50s, and she extended her hand. You knew my husband? Roger told her how her husband had given him a ride home, hitchhiking home from the war. Can you tell me uh, when that was, she inquired? Well, it was May 7th. Uh, Five years ago to this, this day, I was discharged from the army. Anything special about that day? Roger hesitated. Should he mention about giving his witness? Well, he decided since he had come this far, he might as well take the plunge. Mrs. Hanover, I explained the gospel. He pulled over to the side of the road and wept against the steering wheel, and he gave his life to Christ that day. Explosive sobs shook her body, getting a grip on herself. She sobbed, I had prayed for my husband's salvation for years, and I believed God would save him. And so Roger said, where is your husband, Miss Hanover? And he, she said, he's dead. She, she wept, struggling with words. He was in a car crash after he let you out of the car. He never got home. You see, I thought God had not kept his promise. Sobbing uncontrollably, she added, I stopped living for God five years ago because I thought he had not kept his word. Friend, You never know. We have to keep on praying. We have to earnestly seek. God may be wanting to break through doors. Whatever you're going through right now, seek him. Grow in him. Let the body of Christ lift one another up. God can break off chains that you feel chained to. He can open doors that look closed. And how are you going to do it, God? That's the power of our awesome Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. Let's give him a hand. Would you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, you are good, and you are powerful, and you are mighty. And Lord, sometimes we don't see a way, and we think, oh, Lord, this is too hard, and it's too much, and there's just no way, and God, you can do it. Father, we just, uh, we just pray that your will would be done. We, we would seek you. That's what we're called to do is seek you. We don't know all how it's going to work and how you're using these difficult things in our lives and these difficult seasons, how you're growing us and stretching us. But Lord, we just want to seek your face. We seek your name and the power that there is in Jesus Christ. Father, we seek you and may we have a peace as we walk through these rough times, as we walk through maybe brokenness or pain. But Lord, we trust in a God who can heal, who can restore, who can break down doors and barriers that we we know and we trust you, Lord. And Father, we just thank you that you use us for your glory, for your namesake. Father, for anyone that's hurting today, may we just lift them up. May we be the body of Christ this week, lifting up and praying for one another, praying what you want to do in and through us, that this fall that we'd see many come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We'd see kids and youth and adults be discipled for your namesake, Father, that we would grow that we grow closer to you and more dependent upon you and open your word and you to refresh us and renew us like your Holy Spirit does. So Father, move on us. 
We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Have a blessed week.